This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Carm Capriato, Town Hall Academy. It's number 355. Good to have you here as we bring automotive business acumen for your personal and business success to you. God, do I love to do this and so glad to have you all here. Look, we're going to talk about raising labor rates today. And you can go to social media and hear see million posts on the reasons to, the reasons not to, and how to, and how not to, and all that stuff. And I've got a great, great panel here. Jennifer Hulbert is here. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Carm. How are you? I'm great. Service Plus Automotive in Calcium, New York. That's correct. And also coach with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Good to have you here. I am. Thank you. Brent Fleshman is here from Yoakum Automotive, Republic, Missouri. Also, a coach with Auto Fix Auto Shop Coaching. Hey, Coach Brent. Hey, nice to be here, Carm. Glad to have you back, man. And Aaron Woods from Extra Mile Auto Care, Stillwater, Oklahoma, coach with the Institute, just like Jennifer is. It's always great to be here, Carm. Thanks for having us. Always great to have you guys. Look, coaches and shop owners, I just want you to all put that in your pipe when you light this episode up and think about what we're going to talk about, because not only has this group been there and done that and continues to do this and that and all those other things that matter, but they're also helping clients. Look, I want to give high fives to the great sponsors we've had for such a long time. Every second, your technician spends time shuffling papers or scrolling emails, and it's wasted time. You want them under the hood, not an a inside of a pile of work orders. Now, Shopware's Expediter tracks jobs digitally in real time, obviously saving time and money for you with Shopware's Expediter. Visit Get shopware.com. And did you clean the fuel tank the last time you replaced a fuel pump? Well, contamination buildup in the tank not only impacts the vehicle's performance, but it can also damage the fuel pump. Clean the fuel tank in five minutes with Delphi Technologies Fuel Tank Cleaning Tool. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com. Hey team, I want to take a side note. It was about three or four weeks ago, we were just chatting about youth and internships and apprentices. And I just went up to my desk and I made this. Love it. Nice. You see this? Automotive careers happen here. And the whole point of doing this was I was talking to my team and my panel and subsequently I was at Apex and I was saying, we're not promoting the fact that forget about the fact that we might need a technician and there's just not going to be an A-tech walking in the door. But how are we going to tell our client base that we are a professional industry. And I want this on the counters at all the shops. Just get it, put it up on a little tripod, hang it somewhere and let people say, automotive careers happen here. What's this all about? That totally, because of how it's worded and the fact that there's a lot of young people on there may just start you on the pathway to internships and apprenticing and or you never know, find someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone that's looking for an opportunity. Here's how you get that little mini eight and a half by 11 poster, carm at remarkableresults.biz. Please drop me a line and say, send me the poster. Okay, and I'll do that. Love that. That's great. So thank you guys. Hey, so here's the deal. I want to know from this episode what increasing labor rates that basically it's not pixie dust and magic and your business doesn't 
turn around. We need to find out uh, what you need to pay attention to besides labor rate. And the setting labor rates is not a set it and forget it strategy and you just walk away and all of a sudden great things happen. It's a long-term strategy and the powerful impact of effective labor rate. And I know that's part of the way that we're going to go there. Aaron, you and I were talking in the green room before we started and you said, Carm, there's no such thing as I lived it. I live it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's just a mindset difference of this is something that we do each day in and out of our businesses, as well as something that we coach as well. To bring your point of our discussions in the green room before the session, you had asked, you know, what is one of the first things that we do when we take on a new client is to raise a labor rate. And we all kind of chuckled because I, and it actually got me thinking there for a minute. I'm like, man, I've, I actually think I don't recall taking on a single client and saying the first thing right out of the gate is that we need to raise a labor rate. I'm not saying that that's not important or some of the, you know, the things that we come to through our discussions and our numbers, but I think the way that we approach this and the way that we look at it is a labor rate is simply a part and a piece of the overall equation. And there are so many other things to focus on that might also be what is creating this pain points within a business that may not just be solved by a labor rate. It's well said, and that's why I titled this episode, Okay, I raised my labor rate. Now what? And the now what is, wow, I didn't feel an impact. I'm not moving big piles of money into different accounts. I'm not living the life that I dreamed of because there's so much more. Coach Brad, your perspective on a new client and a new labor rate. So that's one of the first things that we usually address because most of the time it's just not where it needs to be. But we got to figure out why we are moving the labor rate to. Just to go in and just say, we just need to make more money is, I mean, it's a valid point. But that is not the reason why we're moving this labor rate. We need to be looking at, are we going to increase our training? Are we going to increase our services to the customer by raising this labor rate? What do we need to do with that? A lot of times, the my new clients, they have not been keeping up with the market. And so, therefore, they've missed out on two or three years worth of labor rate increases that they should have been doing for a while now. And we just got to get them caught up to where we are. It just looks to me, Jennifer, as if this is one of like 20 key, I don't want to say KPIs, I don't want to say metrics, but strategies in uncovering the strength of your business, your real strengths of your business that you haven't paid attention to for maybe a long time. This is not magic pixie dust. It's not. And raising your labor rate needs to be for a very calculated reason. What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to increase the wages to your technicians and still keep a healthy labor gross profit? Are you needing to cover some additional expenses as they've been increasing over the past two or three years? Are you trying to catch up with the market? It's not just, oh, today I'm going to raise my labor rate for no reason. In the auto industry as a whole, 
we've heard it from many coaches that is under service in our labor rates. If you go to different markets like plumbers and electricians to walk through your door, you're talking, you know, 250 to $500. Their overhead is nothing like the auto industry has. They don't have the buildings and the tools and the equipment and the, the expertise that's needed for our industry, in my opinion, and it's ever changing. So how do you keep up with that? How do you keep the ever-changing technology and training needed. You need to have a positive labor gross profit percentage to be able to cover those expenses. To go back to something that Aaron covered with effective labor rate, many shops don't even understand what that is. So my labor rate is this, that's what I'm collecting per hour. Well, it's not. You have many services that you're afraid to charge at that rate. State inspections, oil services. So it really goes back to the amount of labor dollars you're collecting and raising the labor rate may help that. But if you have a lot of services that are are not at that labor rate, then you're not completing that task that you're trying to complete. And I think that's a very solid point that Jennifer brings up. And when we talk about door rates. A door rate to me is just a very figurative, almost imaginative number. It's to me, your door rate is your effective labor rate or your whatever you want to call your labor rate is your effective labor rate. It is not what we have posted or what we say it is or what we want to view that it is. To me, the larger discussion, the linear part of this is when somebody talks about raising their labor rate is to physically raise your labor rate. But let's get away from this linear conversation and let's talk about the bigger picture here. The discussion a lot of times around the need to raise the labor rate is really a discussion about finding more value in our industry and positioning ourselves, as Jennifer had mentioned, to place the dollar figure upon the skill and the services in which we offer and the professionalism in which we do that. And I think that we have to graduate into a larger mindset of raising your labor rate could really just mean maybe, like Brent said, we've been behind the eight ball for so long and for so many years, we've undervalued what we've done that It's a mindset shift that we need to do to position ourselves to be able to offer the professional services in which we do. 100% agree, Aaron. Our industry is just behind, and it has been for a number of years. And it's killing our industry. It is killing the number of technicians that we can bring into our industry. It is making it harder and harder for us to get SBA loans and stuff like that as this industry. We're just behind. If you look at any other industries across the nation, they have kept up with this and we just have not. So it is our time to go in there and make a difference and raise our rates to our professional level. We spend a ton of money training technicians. We spend a ton of money training our service advisors if we're doing it right. And that means that we have to increase 
what we're charging to our customers to give them the services that they expect. We call it the old mindset and we used to call it a, a pencil stroke and a mindset. Now in the digital age, it's a keystroke and a mindset. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing that, that we want to be able to portray, or at least for myself, is that we should value what we do and what we provide to the industry. If you find yourself stuck in that commodity base, because that's what it is. If right. we feel like that we cannot charge what we feel like we should, a lot of times it's the commodity mindset and we have to not allow ourselves to be there. And if you are in that position, then you need to find ways to graduate out of that commodity mindset into more and find ways to be more valuable for your services. And I think that goes back to competitors competing on price. Think of the days of the 999 oil changes and how many corners you'd go to and see a sign sitting outside of a mom and pop shop to think that they're getting just to get someone in their doors. How many other industries do that? Very little. You don't see plumbers advertising any type of service for a discounted rate. So why as a whole, as an industry has thought that that was a good idea, just blows my mind. And I agree with that. And I think to kind of get back to this particular discussion and podcast title is, okay, so we've talked about the the mindset change in the raising of the labor rate. So shops do that, right? Like, okay, I raised it and then what? I think that we have to look at this in a sense of everything funnels to the bottom line. What is our bottom line? What is the the net profit in which you desire as a business owner? And a larger question is, are you approaching this as a business? Is this something that is a hobby? Is this something that you wish to just be in the back of shop tinkering on your 86 Camaro? Or is this a business? And if this is a business, then one of the biggest numbers to pay attention to, if not the biggest, is the bottom line at the bottom of the P&L, right? So when we talk about moving the needle on the door rate, uh, in a sense of what do we do now, we need to start by looking at what is the bottom line that we are wanting to achieve? Where are we at now? And not just with the labor rate, but what are the many things that we should be focusing on so that we can achieve that desired net profit? Transform your business with Shopware, the shop management solution created by a shop owner for shop owners. Shopware gathers historical actionable data from your repair shop in real time, allowing you to boost profits and streamline operations. With Shopware, you can use metrics to instantly improve your parts pricing. Forget about checking a parts matrix. Shopware can do the math for you and adjust parts pricing as needed based on previous sales. Shopware's GP Optimizer allows you to hit your sales targets and boost profitability. And Shopware can take the guesswork out of your operations, allowing you to make data-driven decisions to help your business be successful. And best of all, Shopware can create unified customer profiles even if you have more than one shop. Now, that's right. You can have one view for a customer even if you own two, three, or more shops. Schedule a free demonstration today at GetShopware.com and see Shopware in action for yourself. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 100 
and 50,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. I was uh, talking to a couple of techs the other day, and I said, well, how big is the shop you work in? And they said, well, we got six bays. I said, wow, great. How many techs do you have? He says, well, just two. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, the owner has two bays that he has a couple of old classic cars in, to your point. They're stuck in a, oh, my God, we have so much potential as a facility, and the owner can't get up and out of his own way. I like to talk about dentists a lot on the show, and don't ask me why, but I keep thinking about the professionalism that we are as an industry. You brought it up. If we don't perceive ourselves as professional, we'll never get up and over the fact that we need to charge a rate for that level of professionalism. If your place doesn't look good, I can't have my labor rate reflect the junk place, the, the rundown and the ugly and the grass that comes up through the cracks of the place that hasn't been painted forever. But I don't have dental insurance, by the way. So when I go to the dentist, I just have to pay the rate. And I love to figure out what per hour they earn. And you think about the 20 minutes it takes to clean your teeth today. If you've got decent teeth, you're taking care of them. And you know the amount plus the the x-rays that you're walking away with. That's some pretty heavy dollars per hour. And do we look at the dentist as a profession and to be professional? Do you think we've got almost more equipment and more need for training and more high tech than dental? And I'm not saying I'm right or wrong on that, but just get that inside of you and find that feel to do the right thing. I'm off my soapbox. And relating to the medical field, when you go in for a dental procedure or anything medical, you're paying for a test or a procedure. That's what our customers are doing. They're paying for us to test and do procedures on their vehicle. We don't think of it that way in the industry as a whole. If we did, we'd be okay in saying, this is what this test is worth. This is what the charge is going to be as the medical and the dental industry does. And then you wouldn't be afraid to raise your labor rate. And, and I think there's two fronts here. There's the side of it that we as professionals have to value what we do. But then there's also the the other side of it, which is the customer facing. And one of the things that we have to graduate to is the idea that the right customer, and I, I say this with an asterisk, the right customer through our door does not buy labor rates. People do not buy labor rates. They don't buy starters and alternators and water pumps. People buy feelings, and we have to understand that. Just like when you're going to the dentist for a teeth cleaning. I'm not buying somebody to scrape my teeth for an hour. I'm buying that feeling that I get when I walk out of there. My mouth smells like mint and tastes like mint, and I have a beautiful smile for the next hour in the day. We have to capitalize on that if we want to solve The commodity viewpoint that this industry has, we must graduate above feeling like that we are offering a commodity service. We are in the people business. We are in the experience business. And every person that comes in our shop, we are here to solve their problem. 
sharing any posted new labor rates with your team and let them understand what you've done. Even if you're a steady yearly labor rate fixer, changer, improver, do you sit down? Does your team realize that, look, at this allows us to continue to keep our profit structure right, yet we're going to do some investments. And that's where the investments come from, the profit of the business and, and additional benefits. To your point, Aaron, I can't remember if it was maybe even Brent who said this, how are we going to be able to really hire the talent that's necessary to work on the cars of the future? Well, to answer it, when we, we actually just recently did this within our business is we actually had a health insurance increase by over $2,000 a year and ended up covering it 100% of the increase. And we did, we did bring this information to our employees and showed them. But again, and, and I really want Jennifer to talk about this because I know she's incredibly awesome when it comes to numbers. But we did not look at the increased expense and the value to the employees based upon door rate. We actually didn't even change our door rate. We looked at it from how do we increase our effective labor rate. By increasing our effective labor rate and just minimizing the gap between the door rate and what we're truly collecting per build hour, we were actually able to step up and cover this added and additional expense and invest that back into the company. So to answer your question, Carm, we did do that, but it wasn't with a door rate increase. And I really want Jennifer to talk a lot about the effective labor rate and what this importance is. Jennifer, I want you to jump in in a minute, but I wanted to tell everyone RemarkableResults.biz website. You just go there. There's all kinds of search bars and just type in effective labor rate and listen to the episodes that we've done on this. And I know Jennifer is going to give us the formula, which is total labor sales divided by total labor hours built. It's just that simple. You would think it would be that simple. (laughs) (laughs) You would think that after repeating this for the 19 years that I've been involved in a coaching group and and now taking the, the coach's seat, that it would be that simple, but it's not. And many people think, okay, yes, I understand it. So I raised my labor rate, but my effective labor rate actually decreased. You need to go back and look at your menu price jobs or your can jobs and take a look at what that dollar amount versus the labor hours to the technician is. Or, oh, I didn't think that I just increased the amount for a a complimentary service that I'm going to give some time to the tech for, like a digital vehicle inspection, but I'm not charging the customer. So I increased that and it negatively affected my effective labor rate. So knowing the formula, but putting it into practice are two different things. And I think Aaron and I can agree that we talk to our clients a lot about that. Let's dive in and look at the data and look at what the process of each individual labor canned or menu job is and how that's going to affect labor gross profit or effective labor rate. Back to your other point, Carm, I, like Aaron, have given two wage increases to my technicians this year. To do that, I raised my labor rate to cover that cost and made improvements to the effective labor rate. But I did share with them that in order for the business to continue to invest in the training and the equipment that we're looking to invest in, I need to raise what our customer rates are to be able to offer these benefits and these trainings to you. And I'm very open. In New York, I'm from upstate New York, we do have to post them unfortunately. So it's not a secret in our shop at all. And if a technician wants to learn the number side of it or the reason we're doing that, I am absolutely more willing to share that with them. One thing that I want to talk about real quick, talking about the effective labor rate, the one thing that we as shop owners have to keep in mind is that 
Our effective labor rate is affected by our can jobs, our, you know, doing oil changes, oil services, transmission flushes, those kind of things. The one thing that we need to also keep in mind, though, is that we're talking about percentages and stuff on that side of it. But we also have some really good jobs that we do that actually affect just gross profit dollars per hour that we need to really keep in mind when we're doing a set of tires. We make really good money on doing a set of tires as far as labor goes because they do not take very long to do. Our technicians can all do them. We don't have any downside to them. And so those dollars rack up. So there's a lot of shops that tend to not do some of the commodity stuff, but it can actually be a very good gross profit dollar job, maybe not a gross profit percentage job, but the dollars that you're bringing in could be really good on those kind of jobs. So I have a question. This issue of effective labor rate, gross profit dollars per hour, obviously lands on the CEO's shoulders, but you need the team, the service advisor and the technicians to best understand what the goals of the company are in that department. Any strategies on working with these two team type leaders? We have to give our people, and I'm not talking about a monetary percentage or equity in the business. We can talk about that at a different time, but the mindset, we have to have an ownership mindset. I know Jennifer and I talk a lot with our clients about the why. Do our people understand the why? And are we giving them the ability to understand the why? As an example, I'm not even the person in charge in my business for profitability. I've relinquished that task onto somebody that does a probably even better job than I do at profitability within our business. But I don't think that that's possible without finding a way to give them that ownership mentality over those tasks. And that starts with the why. We have to have our people buy in and to the why and how does this affect them by affecting the business. And you have to hire staff that understand it's okay to make a profit, that we are a for-profit business and Profit isn't a dirty word. So sharing what your goals are with your staff, giving them that ownership and taking responsibility. And then it's our jobs as CEO to make sure that those standards and expectations are being met. So I totally agree. I'm not the person who is in charge of profitability any longer either. So, but we review those numbers, we set the expectations together, and then we review their results. And my staff are the one who's coming up with some of the ideas to make the changes now. And you want to know what that's called, Jennifer? That's called when we reach that position in our businesses as the owners, where we no longer are in charge of that task, but we oversee it. We're at the point where we are steering the ship, but we are not driving the boat. And I love that. such a powerful concept. We are steering the ship, But our people through the ownership and the buy-in and the why are the ones that are driving the boat. And in this sense, the boat of profitability. Well, a visionary and integrator, you know, the whole EOS concept is exactly what you're speaking to. Anyone come up to you as clients and say, oh, I'm bought in. We're doing all this stuff right. But in order to get that ownership mentality on my team, I've got to have some really creative incentive plans. Do you see value in that? Necessarily think creative, I think rewarding and 
profitable for the employee, but I don't necessarily think creative. I mean, we can do basic plans based off of gross profit or, or sold hours for advisors or technicians. Sure. Your Honor, I will take that word creative out and add rewarding. I love it. I love it. Aaron and Jennifer, I'm sure you've come across this for in, in all your coaching and you guys run fabulous businesses and all that stuff. But what I come across a lot with clients that I think is part of our industry downfall is with some of the service advisors that we're hiring. And a lot of the service advisors tend to sell out of their own pocket. And I think that huge deal coming across in our industry that they're not willing to present everything to the client that we need to be presented because they just may not think that the client can afford it or they have some kind of story that they heard about when the client dropped off and stuff like that. Are you guys finding that with your clients? I do find that a lot with mine. We have to look at it and separate those two things apart. Do we have a personnel problem or do we have a procedural and a cultural problem? So it's one thing to say, where is that coming from? Is that coming from because that is how the shop perceives the value in the services in which we provide is assuming that the customers that are coming in are here based upon a commodity need. And therefore, we need to be positioning ourselves based upon price and fixing only what's wrong and being afraid of presenting our value. Yes, that can be happening by the service advisor. But is that always a service advisor problem? No, I don't believe it is. I think that we have to identify if it is, and I'm not saying it can't be, but what I'm saying is we have not asked enough questions to be able to truly solve that problem at that point. I think we have to determine as a step further, what is the processes within the shop? What is the culture of the shop? What is the mission and vision statements of those shops? And if they aren't that, if that's not aligning with what the shop is, then I think at that point you have a personnel issue. If that is aligning with the shop, then we have a much bigger problem than just a service advisor. And I call that a top down. So from the top down, if that's the ideals of the owner, then yes, any staff coming in is going to going to take those ideals and run with it. But if you have good processes and you want to create relationships long-term with your customers, then you're going to have be able to quickly identify those type of personalities and new staff and then offer training to correct that and then monitor and make sure that it's corrected. And I agree 100% with both of your comments. I've just seen that lately with some of my newer clients that that has been kind of an issue. And so I'm trying to, of course, address it the best way possible to maximize those businesses. So. You know, get back on the, what's, you know, in regards to the labor rates. One of the first things that I say when somebody says, I'd like to raise my labor rate, is I say, what are your gross profit percentages? Because eight times out of 10, if you feel like you need to raise your labor rate, what is the problem which you're trying to solve? Can we simply solve that with just first being profitable? Then like fixing those core problems within your company and then worry about making more dollars. (laughs) If the first thing we're worried about is making more dollars, then we're just creating larger problems in my opinion. So I think 
Well, in the labor rate discussion, before you ever look at raising your door rate, we need to know effective labor rate. We need to know parts gross profit. We need to know labor gross profit. And like what Coach Brent said, we need to know gross profit per hour. It means so the like the boat is leaking, so let's go faster. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's that perfect. Absolutely the case. <laughs> Now, of course, I didn't bring that up because we're going to be on a Caribbean cruise here in a few weeks. But I no, I sorry about that. That boat's going to be big enough; it can leak a little bit and still go fast. But no, I mean, right. perfect analogy. You like that? The boat is leaking. Let's go faster. Don't worry about speed when you got water coming in back here. Let's plug those holes first. This has been great. You listen. We can't solve the industry's problems, but we can inspire and motivate our listener to say, "Hmm, great thought. Love that. It was a fun episode." And you know what? I got to go back and rethink some things. So let's go around the room. Give each of you a final thought. Anything in your talking points that we didn't cover that you'd like to make? We'll do Coach Brett, Jennifer, and then we'll have Aaron go last. Coach Brett. For all of you shop owners that are out there that are looking to improve and everything, really get a good idea of your P&L. If we can learn to read our P&L and learn to read all of our KPIs that are going on in our shop every single day, it's just going to help you advance your business. And don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. There's lots of coaching companies that give a lot of free stuff. We just want to help the industry grow and advance you in your shop. Thank you so much, Coach Brent. Glad you're here. That actually is Brett Fleshman from Yokomoto Automotive. It's Republic, Missouri. Jennifer. Well, again, I think like Coach Brent, you've covered all the points that I wanted to cover. Just to recap, I think going back to the basics and understanding the basics, understand what your true profit centers are, and that's parts and labor. Make sure you have good processes in place to maximize the sale and the profitability of every vehicle coming in. Don't be afraid to elevate yourself. Because again, our industry as a whole for labor rates is on the lower end compared to many others. Don't make, be afraid to make a change. See how it, it affects things and, and tweak it from there. Very good. Jennifer Hulbert, Service Plus Automotive, Calcium, New York. Aaron, clean up, baby. So I put a list together. <laughs> of course <Shocker>. you did. <laughs> <laughs> and I want every shop owner that is listening to this podcast to do this list in this order. And if they disagree, send me an email. I'll read it and I may not respond. But this is what I want every shop owner to do. I want you to first love what you do. Find that passion and figure out how to love what you do and do it. Once you love what you do, I want you to find a way to do it well. Do it better than anybody else around. Then the third thing I want you to do is find a way to be profitable with where you're currently at. What is your labor gross profit? What is your parts gross profit? What is your effective labor rate? Be profitable at where you're at right now. The next thing I want you to do is once you're profitable, I want you to build relationships and I want you to build a great team. Take care of the customer and take care of your people. Once you've done those things, now you look at labor rate as where do I need to position my labor rate to now once I've done all of those other things to now have a net profit that takes care of the business and takes care of the owner. And those things are what you should do in that order. And that's my closing point. What do you think, team? Good points, huh? Yes, very nice. Yes. 
Always count on you, Aaron. And actually, this was a great combination, Brett, Jennifer, and Aaron. Was, we had some fun together. Uh, Aaron Woods from Extra Mile Auto Care, Stillwater, Oklahoma. All of them shop owners and all of them coaches inside the industry. This was great. Okay, I raised my labor rate. Now what? You got more for your money. Thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks, Carm. Thanks, Carm. Thank you, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... Thank you